Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Social Work Radio with me, your host, Vince Peart. Once again, and always, we are joined by our co-host, Tilly Baden. Tilly, my friend, how the devil are you? How have things been since you were last aboard the good ship SWR? Hello, everyone. Um, Wow, I've been in a bit of a reflective mood today because Facebook memories, good old Facebook memories, told me that it's a year ago since I moved out of the farm. So this time last year when my landlord, well, my previous landlord sold the farm and I had to move out very suddenly because I was living there and I had to move my horses. And yeah, I can't quite believe that it was a year ago. A lot has changed this year. Yeah, so much has happened since then. I've moved twice, moved my horses twice. It's weird, isn't it, sometimes how time goes and you feel like it's ages since something happened, but then sometimes it feels like no time at all. It's only when you look back, isn't it, particularly if you have a fast-paced job and a a busy life like you do, you often hardly have any time at all for reflection. When you do have time, when you take stock, when you look back, you realise, wow, just what a difference that year's made. Exactly. But enough about me, because I want to hear Ah. all your news, because you've been on holiday and I can't wait to hear about this. So how was Amsterdam? Uh, Yes, yes. So um, I've seen Bruce Springsteen twice in the past five days. So um, I flew out to Amsterdam. Um, Listeners, for those who haven't heard me talk about this before, I I turned 40 this year and I wanted to do something quite special. It's a momentous year. And Bruce Springsteen is back on tour, and I must talk about Bruce Springsteen at least every four or five episodes of this podcast, and eagle-eyed observers will see just how often his lyrics and his influence creeps in to my podcast uh, discussions and also my writing. So I thought, you know what, I'll see him in all the dates he's in the UK. And as well as those, I thought, you know what, I've always wanted to see him on a sort of mainland European day. And there were various different options. He was at Paris, he was in Rome, Barcelona, but I fancied Amsterdam. I love Amsterdam. I've been out to Amsterdam four times before. So I, uh, yeah, I flew out there last Thursday, had four nights in Amsterdam. I went to the Vincent van Gogh Museum or Van Gogh for our American listeners. Obviously, I had to go there, Tilly. I had to go and see my namesake, didn't I? That of was amazing. I went to the Reich Museum. I went to the uh, went to the Red Light District, just as, as an observer, not a paying customer, just to be very, very clear. Um, I went to the uh, the Museum of Prostitution there, which was eye-opening. I um, took a canal cruise, and I had a jolly good time. But, of course, the highlight was going to the Ajax Amsterdam Johan Cruyff Arena, and seeing him on Saturday. And I flew back Monday straight up to Edinburgh, Monday night, in order to see him Tuesday night. And it was uh, it was amazing. The um, Both gigs were unbelievable. It's the first time I've ever seen somebody so close back to back like that. And both gigs were, were superb. I really, I, mean, I, was, I was very near the front for both of the gigs, which was amazing. I like, got to see him up close and personal, which was obviously very special for me. But the, the gig in Amsterdam, I had this distinct feeling halfway through it that I was probably watching the greatest gig that I've ever been to in my life. For a number of factors, the fact that, you know, he hasn't toured for several years due to, you know, COVID lockdown, the fact that, you know, he's by far and away my, my favourite artist, the fact that his music means so much to me. 
um, the company. It was just everything. Everything was special about it. So it was an, an excellent, an excellent week off. And I've actually, I did no work at all. Well, I worked, I worked on, I worked on Tuesday, but yeah, I am. Um, and I wrote one article. Couldn't keep myself away that much, but it's the first time I've had like a kind of proper week off from work in a, in a very long time. Indeed. It was, uh, it was excellent. My friend, thank you for asking. Oh, I'm so proud that you didn't do any work. I'm, I'm very mm. envious that you were able to do that. Um, but very much deserved because you, like me, as we've talked about many times before, are probably a bit of a workaholic. So you need that break. But how's but, uh, it been getting back to to work? Because did it did you find that it took you a while to get back into the swing of things? Uh, well, I mean, I only I only started uh, yesterday um, with a special guardianship assessment, which is special guardianship assessments. You you may have done one when you were a child protection social worker, Tilly, but you know the 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 pretty straightforward. They're the, the detailed in the fact you have to have a lot of information. You've got references, you've got checks, you've got pet assessments, you've got home assessments you've got former partner assessments there's a lot of paperwork to them but they are not confrontational in nature and they were quite positive in nature generally i mean if you compare that to a if you compare that to the dynamic of a parent in assessment where you're assessing a parent's capacity whilst the child is out of their care and they're currently potentially having supervised contact with the child in the midst of, uh, you know, confrontational court proceedings. It's a very, very different dynamic. So to come back in the first bit of work to be uh, a special guardianship assessment with two, you know, um, you know, two people who were looking to care for a connected child, it's uh, it, it was a nice way to ease my way back into it. But I, I do feel massively recharged and very, very happy and positive indeed. And that harks back to something we were talking about a few shows back about the necessity of giving yourself that dedicated time because I was out of the country, because I'd left my laptop at home, because I'd emailed everybody saying I wasn't working, because I'd put my out of office on. Being that rigid really, really helped. But I wouldn't really have liked to go and say lie on a beach somewhere and drink margaritas all day. That's not my kind of holiday. I kind of like to go away and do sort of active things. So, you know, going to Amsterdam um, and uh, getting the opportunity to, you know, to meet up with people out there and to go around some museums, go out for something nice to eat, you know, walk around the city, go on a canal cruise and, uh, yeah, see Bruce Springsteen and then come back here and straight up to Edinburgh. And, I mean, have you ever been to Edinburgh before, Tilly? Are you aware of the city? Have you ever visited? Oh, in childhood, but I was very oh, young, so I don't really it's remember. It's gorgeous. It. it is, honestly, Ed- Edinburgh. And, you know, I went to Glasgow as well whilst I was up there. Edinburgh and Glasgow are absolutely beautiful cities, the pair of them. And the, the 45 minutes train between. So I stayed in Edinburgh, but I went to Glasgow and back both days. And, you know, the cities are um, you know, both gorgeous cities. And, I, you know, I, I don't mean to be biased because my grandmother was Scottish, but the Scottish people, they're a, they're a special type of people, Tilly. I've got a lot of lot of love for the Scots. I really do. Anyway, let's read out a review. We've had a review in uh, over the past week, and this comes from Joe the No. And Joe the No says, perfect dog walking company. And her review is, thanks, Vincent Tilly. You've kept me company on my dog walks as I listen weekly and catch up on past episodes. Love the banter between you two. And I loved uh, watching Daisy Jones after the mention. I'm finally on my 30-day returning to social work placement, so I might even be back social working too. Love from Joe and Winnie the dog. 
Um, excellent, Joe. Firstly, thank you ever so much for the review. Secondly, glad that you uh, took me up on my tip to watch Daisy Jones and the Six. I did think it was amazing. And thirdly, welcome back into the world of social work, my friend. Thank you ever so much for the review. As always, if anybody else wants to leave a review, if you hop onto iTunes or Spotify, anywhere else that you listen to our podcast, leave a review and we will read it out on next week's show. So there we go. Tell your good, your good dog walking company you are, my friend. How do you feel about that? I love it. Anything involving dogs, I am all in. So, yes, hello to Winnie the dog, especially, um, and Joe, obviously. But, um, yes. Well, I'll tell, I'll tell you a topic that I have wanted to tackle, but I've never dared. You know me, Tilly. I'm, I'm not exactly one yeah. to shy away from controversial subjects, am I? Oh, no. What, what do I have in store for me? Are social workers dog people or cat people? Oh, that's a good question. Don't start, hold the fire. Hold your line. Because mm-hmm. I, I think we could definitely get a column, an opinion column, and a podcast out with that. I think that's three bits of content. What do you think? <laughs> it probably is. Okay, so I won't answer right now. And um, let's put a Hold pin on. in that and watch this space, listeners. Yes. Well, um, moving on to this week's uh, subject for discussion. I would say you do the job of three people, Tilly. How many people would you say you do the job of? Like, you know, if, you know, you get horsepower. Like, obviously, your horse is one horsepower. My car is 200 horsepower. How many social work power is Tilly Baden currently running on right now? Oh, probably at least five. Five. <laughs> you have five SWP. You have five social work power. Um, I think I'm probably, I think I'm probably two. I think I'm probably two SWP. Yeah, I mean, I'm not really five. That's very no, uh, either. Whoa, almost whoa, big-headed of me because I no, absolutely no, you don't sold yourself. You're five. No, you're five. We're gonna we're gonna take you for a test drive and see how you get on. Okay, we are gonna give you the work of five people and see if you can tackle it because you know you've claimed you can. Let's see what's under the hood. Um, I asked that question because we get some strange old stories here on Social Work News, guys. We discussed some strange old thing on the podcast, as you know. But um, whilst I was off last week, our content editor, Nick, surprised me with this story and it blew my mind. I could not believe it. A social worker has been struck off and barred from the profession because she was working two full time jobs. So the social worker who we always already refer to, you know, social workers by one initial um, when we do these fitness to practice stories, even though they are publicly in the the, the publicly named in the public domain, you know, you can go on to social work England's regulatory hearing findings and find these names. We purposely don't name these people. Um, So in October, 2021, Ms. N uh, was rumbled because she submitted timesheets for the exact same working hours at two different local authorities, one being Hampshire County Council and one being Southend on Seaborough Council. You know, her lies and, you know, her devious behaviour was only discovered when she was in a team meeting with Hampshire County Council. Her mic was unmuted and she was heard to answer the phone saying, hi, this is Ms. N, you're through to Southend Children's Services. So the team manager over at Hampshire who overheard this quite rightly, being a bit perturbed and put out, contacted Southend who confirmed that 
their new social worker was in fact also employed as a full-time social worker working 40 hours a week for another local authority. When she was challenged, she denied and denied the situation and she lied. Eventually, when it was discovered that she was lying, uh, she said that she was doing both jobs on a full-time basis. However, she thought it was fine because she was trying them both out to see which one she liked best, the one that she'd been in for some time or the new one. If she'd have liked the one in for that she'd been for some time best, she would have given a notice in the new one quite rapidly. If she liked the new job better, she would have apparently handed in a notice at the old one. But for at least two weeks, this woman was working two full-time jobs. Social Work England deemed that the only proportionate and appropriate sanction was to remove her from the Social Work Register with immediate effect. Well, Tilly, um, where do we begin? What do you think about that one? I mean, I'm rarely shocked or surprised in social work. I think I've got quite a thick skin when it comes to being shocked or surprised, but this did make me go, what? What is going on? I mean, on what planet did the social worker think that that was acceptable? I just, I'd love to know more about what her thought processes were, because the explanation from the article is just, you're like, really? Really? Why? Why would you do that? Why would you think that that's okay? Um, Do you believe her? Do you you believe her story that she was just planning on doing it for a short period, or do you think she would have kept it up as long as she could? Oh, I think she'd have kept it up as long as she could. I mean, I I suspect this was about money and getting two full-time salaries, which, I mean, yeah. I don't understand how she even thought that this was going to be okay because how would you manage your diary or your (laughs) exactly (laughs) it's wild isn't it i can't i can't go to that team meeting because i'm in a different team meeting or (laughs) just uh, it was clearly not going to work like what happens if she's called in the court so she's child protection what happens if she's called in the court she's got child protection review conferences in what planet did she think this was realistic I really don't know. I mean, there must be other things going on to think that that was okay because no rational person, certainly no professional social worker, should think that that is acceptable behaviour. So I'm I'm glad she's gone. I'm glad she's left our profession. We've got no time for, for someone that's that deceitful or dishonest. That could have been really dangerous as well for the people that she's supporting because if she was out on a on an urgent visit on in one local authority and then she needed to do a different one and no one knew where she was that could mm-hmm. have been all sorts of safety concerns could have been raised let alone actual work productivity issues so not good for social work when this story came out is there any justification for what she did no no not at all you, you no one could think that that was okay to submit exactly the same time timesheets that's just plain dishonest let us use the power of empathy oh that, that, that power of empathy let us try as social workers we should be excellent at this let us try and put ourselves in miss n's position why she decided to do this tilly well it must have been for money yeah. to be honest i mean she must be going through some financial difficulties i'm presuming because i can't see why anyone else uh, why you would want to do 
two full-time jobs to be perfectly honest one's bad mm. enough and I, I know you and I both do extra work but we don't take time away from our day jobs to do that so I, I, I can't understand why you would want two full-time child protection caseloads I just that blows my mind it really does see this I know she lied about it at first I know she you know People lie when they're scared. Okay, P- people do. I'm not. I'm not saying it's acceptable, but we have to be honest. When people are cornered, they lie. It's a natural defense mechanism, and, and many people do not have the ability to front up and own up straight away. And you know, I, I am bluntly honest. Tell you my my problem is I am too honest, as you know, my friend. That is my problem. But I I I do wonder if there is a grain of truth in what she's saying about holding those jobs together for a very short period. It doesn't justify it. It doesn't justify it. But in her head, I wonder if that did justify it because surely, surely nobody could have been able to keep that going. I mean, she kept it going. She kept it going for two full weeks. Got a credit to the woman. She kept it going for two full weeks and was only found out because a mic wasn't on mute. So, if she genuinely did only hope to hold both jobs for a month and make a decision, and maybe a notice period wasn't long enough, she didn't really want to leave one job on the lurch. She had things to sort of tie up, and she felt she could manage it by working in evenings and weekends and going above and beyond. Is there any mitigating circumstance that you would accept here that justifies what she's done, or do you think, regardless of the circumstances, it's just a big no-no? I think regardless of the circumstances, it's a, a big no-no. I think, as you say, you, you can kind of understand, and we don't we don't know her full circumstances. She mm. could have had a terrible debts or financial hardship, or been in a really difficulty, big difficulties in her personal life. So we're not going to judge her because she's still a human being, and that's what social workers do. We're supposed to be non-judgmental, but. I mean, she can't carry on practicing as a social worker like that. That's that's inexcusable. It would be inexcusable for her to remain in the profession. Um, so you agree? Yeah. You agree that her actions weren't being struck off? Yeah, I do. Do you? I'm not sure it deserves a striking off. No. Tell me more. Why? Why do you think that? Right. Okay. I'll tell you why I think it. Two reasons. Two main reasons. Firstly. Did anyone come to harm because of what she did? Not that did we they? know of. Well, not that we not, know of. No. But I imagine if they did, it would surely have been reported in Social Work England's findings because that clearly ramps up their justification. If they're making a case against that, supports it. So clearly, if a child had have come to significant harm, we would surely have heard about it, okay? Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I suppose she was still in her induction phase. There we so go. presumably she was doing online training Bingo. and familiarization of the new team and services. Yeah, so there's that. Uh, secondly, we know this didn't come about because of complaints about her practice or her ability to do the jobs, did it? No, it, it didn't. No. So we can say for those first two weeks, her her quality of practice wasn't questioned. Again, we're kind of assuming that, but based on what we know, her fitness to practice was not questioned in the output of the job she was doing. Can we assume that as well? We can, but equally, I think as a team manager, I, I would find it really difficult to manage someone's 
to monitor someone's productivity in their induction period if yeah. um if this was the circumstances because I mean presumably her team manager in both jobs was a, a, a busy she's working in frontline child protection well, this one was busy this one was busy as well well incredibly jobs. busy everyone was busy um so we can assume <laughs> those we can, we, we can assume those first two things that no one came to harm and that her quality wasn't questioned third was what she was doing criminally illegal might have been contractually illegal. I'm pretty sure in her contracts there would have been certain rules regarding, you know, dictating the terms of second work against moonlighting and so on. But was what she was doing criminally illegal? Well, it's fraud. So I would say it is. Because you're, you're, you're. I don't you're think frauding. it's criminally illegal, though, is it? I think, I think it would be a case of the civil courts, but I, I, I'm not sure about. I mean, you're a magistrate, tell you how many I people. Do well, you, I don't know. How, how many people do you have coming before you in the courts for working two jobs at the same time? We're hardly talking about bigging me here, are we? We're not, but I mean, I, I, I have never come across this before. This is the first I, I've ever come across someone doing this. There we go. So let's assume that it isn't illegal. So we, we've established three key facts there, which for me, I would be looking to establish. If I was, you know, representing Miss N in this hearing, I would have been making the point that she did not do anything that put anybody at risk of significant harm. There's no evidence that her action harmed anybody whatsoever. The second point I'd be making is her quality and fitness to practice as a social worker was not questioned whatsoever. And the third point I'd be making is her actions were not illegal. Yes, she lied, but she was scared and she'd made a very foolish mistake. The fourth aspect that I would try to, you know, push if I was representing her is I would try to knuckle down exactly what the drivers for that are. It is very extreme behaviour. And in my opinion, extreme behaviour is usually driven by extreme drivers. I mean, it may just be avarice. It could just be greed. You know, it could simply be, well, you know, I think I can do this. So I want to earn twice as much money as I am. But generally speaking, if people have a sudden urge to double their salary whilst taking on a significant risk, let's get this straight. You know, even if she thought she'd get away with it, she still took on a massive risk. And, you know, look, she's lost her livelihood because of it. There's usually a driver behind that. It could be a drug addiction. It could be a gambling addiction. It could be significant debts. It could be under duress from a, a family member who was exploiting her. It could be a family member that was experiencing significant hardship. It, it, it could be many, many different things. Those are the four facts I would look to establish if I was representing her. Knowing when, that what people do get struck off for, you know, heinous crimes, being drunk and disordered at work, really being a, an awful social worker in terms of practice, you know, sexual abuse, physical abuse, emotional abuse, you know, financial abuse, bullying fellow social workers. When we did when we did that podcast a few weeks back on bad apples and social work, those people are not people you'd want to share a room with. I wouldn't mind sharing a room with Miss N. Would that be fair to say? Yeah, I think that's fair. So when I put all of those things together, I it doesn't sit well with me, you know, losing this social worker from the profession for one silly, silly mistake that, yeah, fair enough, it lasted two weeks, but she was caught quickly. If we can establish that nobody was harmed, that she didn't do anything illegal, and that the only person who really lost out was her, I'm not sure why this warrants an immediate striking off. Because for me there is remedial action out there this woman can clearly do. She can reflect. She can have, you know, uh, yeah, fair enough, you know, 
suspend her, you know, give her a 12 month suspension, send her away, make her work on this, make her understand, submit CPD, submit reflective um, assignments and essays on the matter. I, I wouldn't have shook her off immediately. I really wouldn't have. I know you've got to send a strong wall into the profession, but I don't think this quite warrants being struck off. If there was evidence somebody had been harmed by it, yes, definitely. But it just doesn't sit quite well with me. It really doesn't. It's not as clear cut, I think, as as many people, including yourself, are making out, Dilly. Not for me, at least. And I think you, you do have a point. And I think the inconsistency sometimes that comes across with some of these judgments, because I remember not that long ago, we were talking about that chap that was being derogatory to his colleagues and making them feel really uncomfortable. And he was only given a, a minimum suspension. Well, he, he, he was offensive. He, he, he was racist. He was uh, sexist. He was disabled. He was absolutely disgusting. And he basically got a slap on the wrist and told to crack on. Don't do it again, mate. And that's where I find that really hard, because for me, he should have definitely been struck off. Um, maybe I'm just harsh and would strike lots of people off. Um, perhaps it's a, a good thing that I'm not on the Social Work England panel. But um, for me, it's the dishonesty part and the potential that it could have led to very significant harm. And what she did was very wrong. And Oh, well, I'm not I denying think... that. I'm not denying no, that. No, no, no. I know you're not. Does but it I think... warrant a striking off? And, and I think it does in terms of the message that it sends to the profession. I wonder if this was a little bit more of a warning case, because I think well, we're, we're going to come and talk about this in a minute. But I think there's the potential that there are more people out there that are doing things like this. Uh, well, um, let's go to that question now, then. Let's go to that question yeah. now. Is this an isolated incident, my friend? Or do we think that other social workers may be getting away with this? I really hope it's an isolated incident, but... To be honest, I, I'm i not quite sure anymore. Um, I think the, the move to virtual working has certainly opened this up as a potential. I think it, it could be fairly easy in some roles to do this. And I do worry that that, that could be a risk. And I think that's probably contributed to why Social Work England made that decision that actually they want to make it very clear that this is unacceptable and this yeah, is what yeah. will happen to probably scare more other people off if they are potentially doing it and make them reconsider. So it's a shot across the brows basically for the entire profession. And look, it's got us talking. You know, it was our, I think it was probably going to be our most uh, most read and commented uh, news story of the past seven days over at mysocialworknews.com. We've obviously picked it as the most interesting and, you know, heavy-hitting story to discuss on the podcast this week. So, yeah, it's eye-opening. Um, I worry, I worry that German school, you would never have done this, but in school I was the naughty child. <laughs> what a surprise. Of course you were. <laughs> <laughs> so um, sometimes I used to ruin stuff for everybody else by being naughty. You know, if like one person's bad and they kind of ruin it for everybody else. I sometimes worry about stories like this and I think, oh my God, a clown's like that going to ruin it for everybody because officers are now going to say, well, you've all got to be in because, you know, Ms. N was taking the mick and she was doing two jumps. You've all got to be in. It's worrying when people do take advantage of a good thing, isn't it? It is, but I don't think that that's going to be enough to trigger it because I think those right at the top of the food chain quite enjoy this hybrid working lifestyle. And I think that will stop 
maybe short-term decisions being made about making sure that everyone comes back into the office. Yeah, yeah, it, it just it certainly suits everybody. And a lot of the offices have been downsized now; they probably don't even have enough space. But yeah, I, I, I don't think I've ever had a job where I could actually work two jobs at the same time. I've never had a job that was like that easy. But you think there are certain roles? What roles? I mean, again, to be very clear, listeners, we're not giving you ideas here, so don't be, you know, don't be advocating this, Tilly. But what kind of roles do you think this would be possible in? Maybe duty, maybe triage, because. Like you, I struggled to see. I struggled to see how you can balance two jobs. But do you think there are there are certain social work roles out there where you could just about manage it? Potentially, yeah. I think possibly roles where you weren't maybe having a, a caseload, um, and like you say, more of that duty triage, where perhaps no one's really looking at the amount of time that you're digging into things or on the phone or making inquiries. I don't know. I wouldn't want to say that, that that's the sorts of roles because I don't want to make it sound like those roles are easier because they're certainly not. Um, they're normally, from my experience, more fast paced and intense. But it's very I think any role where you're not necessarily being micromanaged, which is, is quite a lot of social work, to be honest. Yeah. I mean, most of us have quite a lot of professional autonomy and control of over our diaries. I think there is potential to abuse it. And I think in less extreme versions, we've certainly known social workers or fellow professionals to slack off a little bit, haven't we? And and not do as much work as they should. Perhaps they're logging off early or doing other things while around the home whilst they're supposed to be working. Um, I think that that would be fairly easy to do in these post-COVID world where we're all working remotely. I suppose it's hard for managers to monitor productivity. I know it certainly would be for me. And and when I think about my previous roles, especially when I had a large team to supervise, I couldn't be on top of what they were doing every minute of the day. I, I didn't know if they're in or not in or out on visits. Or I mean, I kept an eye on them if they were going out for safety purposes. But if there were times when they weren't online, I wasn't wasn't following up on them I wasn't checking them I didn't have time I was too busy trying to stay afloat myself so I I suppose in our profession it is easier especially more experienced workers that don't have that level of management oversight it it could be possible yeah I I wonder I I wonder how long you could do it until the wheels came falling off, though, because, you know, there are certain things in social work that you can't change. They literally aren't. You know, we, we don't manage it. We manage our own diaries to a certain extent, but you can't manage the people's diaries of those that we support. And that is where the issue lies. If it was desk-based, if it was paperwork-based, say you're working in auditing or something like that, then, yeah, perhaps you could. But when you are dealing with the beauty and chaos of human beings, you never know what's going to happen. Tis both the blessing and curse of social work. Um, I'm going to ask you this one, because it made me, I, I thought of this when I was uh, doing my notes for this podcast upon reflecting on this story. Tell you what message does it send out to the rest of us in our profession if one woman is such an efficient social worker she can effectively do the job of two of us? Albeit she only did that job for two weeks before she was rumbled, but yet still, 
uh, it sets a precedent, does it not? So there were social workers out there like you who were running on five social work power, and Miss N was clearly running on two social work power for at least two weeks. Um, what message does it send out if, you know, oh, well, somebody, there's a social worker out there who's so good she can work for two different local authorities at the same time. Um, how should that make the rest of us feel? <laughs> to be very clear, I said five because I think I probably do five people's jobs. Doesn't mean I do them well, but um, perhaps if if all local authorities were staffed at optimal numbers, then then that would be the number of people that would be required to do my job sufficiently. Um, so yeah, just to clarify that, I don't think that I can do the job of five people <laughs> full time. Um, I certainly am not superwoman in that respect. Um, I mean, it puts us all to shame, doesn't it? If, if you can hold down two full-time jobs and, and do them. I mean, obviously, we're missing a trick. Love, love her to share her secret on how she planned to do it. So she do. She might, she might be missing. You may be struck off from social work, but, you know, there's a potentially lucrative business endeavour out there where you can train us all how we can do the work of two people. But what I'd like to do, Tilly... I would rather do a full-time job in 20 hours and have the other 20 hours to myself than work two jobs. Yeah, yeah, I'd rather have too. more time because I'm not going to get in trouble for that. <laughs> I would exactly. rather have more time. Um, let's end with a bit of discussion about ourselves. Now, obviously, I'm an independent social worker and I balance that out with uh, working for Social Work News as a content editor. You Tilly, you know, you've got three hats or well, four hats. You know, you're a magistrate and you are a manager and you do independent social work and you also write for mysocialworknews.com and contribute to this podcast. How do you manage to balance out your four different jobs? Because I'm a workaholic and that seems to be the only thing that I do with my time. I mean, I'm very lucky with my magistrate's role that I get paid time off work to do it. So it's it's kind of almost like extra days annual leave that I take that that then I'm released from my day job to go and do it. Then with my independent work and writing for social work news, it's evenings, weekends and annual leave that I, I use to do my my job. I certainly wouldn't have enough let up in my day job to to do independent work at the same time. Yes, uh, I'm kind of the same. What I do is um, just very clearly mark my diaries. You know, I have certain days when I do certain things and certain days when I do other things. And I generally speaking, I don't work evenings and weekends at all. Um, I mean, I work evenings when I record the podcast. And sometimes I travel on an evening and sometimes, you know, in independent social work, if parents work full time. I sometimes have to see them in the evening. I sometimes have to see children. But my core hours, are, I like to book in 9 to 5, Monday to Friday. I try to take Thursdays off if I can. And then I'll work Saturday morning, Sunday morning, just on writing. And that's kind of the way that I balance things. And it, it works well if you do that. And I think, for me, what I've learned is when I'm working, I'm working. If that makes sense, I don't want any distractions, which is why... Homework and suits me down on the ground. I engage in deep work. I'm very regimented with time. I try not to go on my phone. I don't ring people up. I don't get distracted by emails. I have, you know, time blocked out. I use time boxing, as I've spoken about on the podcast several times before. And that's how I manage it. So I balance out my jobs just by being very, very rigid and structured and essentially disciplined with myself. 
I'm very disciplined and, you know, I work intensely during the hours that I do work, but I don't work anywhere near as long hours as I used to. Because what I used to find, Tilly, is I could sometimes spend 60 hours a week working and I wasn't focused. I wasn't, you know, eating as healthy. I wasn't sort of hydrated. I wasn't taking the supplements that I take. I wasn't as dedicated to my practice. And I can produce better quality work in a dedicated 35 hours a week than I could in a loose 60 hours a week. And I feel a lot better for it. Yeah, you're tired after those hours because you've worked intently, but then you have ample time to recover. The alternative, what I used to do, I just used to be sort of constantly working, but I used to kind of be constantly producing mediocre work, whereas now I work in shorter bursts, but I'd like to think I produce higher quality work in that time that I do have. That's what I've learned over, you know, my decade in social work and over the past sort of seven years when I've combined social work practice with writing, podcast and social media and so on. An inspiration to us all. Maybe I should take a leaf out of your book because I'm much more fluid with things and um, I'm very bad at procrastinating and we'll spend an evening. I'll put things off and then decide that like at 11 o'clock at night, I'm going to start doing some work and then work to the early hours of the morning. But that's just me. I'm um, not very good at managing my own time. But does it work for you, though, Tilly? That's the key. If it works for you, it doesn't matter. It didn't work for me. That was the issue. And I, and I always say this on the podcast. I always have to be very clear when I offer an advice. You know, I do it just from my own personal perspective. The lifestyle I used to be living and the way I was going about my life didn't work for me. It left me unhappy. It left me lethargic. I used to get very stressed out. I mean, you remember, Tilly, I used to get really worked up about little things. You know, it used to get to me. And I thought it was the things that got to me when I realized actually it was my own mindset, you know, that things can only trouble you if you allow them to. I, I wasn't living in accordance with nature at all. You know, I wasn't living in accordance with nature. No way. That didn't work for me, but it could work for other people. So I need to be very clear, listeners, you know, when I, when I talk about what I do, it's because I wasn't happy and I wasn't productive and since I've made those changes, as you've seen, Tilly, you know, the podcast, the changes of social work news, you know, advancing my career and so on, that worked for me. Might not work for everybody. So certainly, Tilly, don't go, don't go use me as an example because there are many, many sinful things that I've done in the past. I am not the best example. You know, I'm, I'm no hero that's understood. <laughs> and we'll talk about those things at another date. We certainly will. Um, on that note, listeners, thank you ever so much for tuning in uh, to us this week. Special thank you to Joe the No and Winnie. I hope you enjoy listening to us, Joe, on your next walk out with Winnie. And give her a little lick of peanut butter for me, if you could, my friend. Um, until next week, uh, when we will be talking about who knows what. Uh, who knows what, indeed. Uh, until next week, it's goodbye from me. And it's goodbye from me. Goodbye.